walked on the water. I was in there when he made the blind men see. I wasn't there when he preached on the mountain. I didn't see, I didn't hear, but I believe. I wasn't there when he taught them how to pray. I wasn't there when he called the raging storm. I wasn't there when he fed the five thousand. I didn't see, I didn't hear, but I believe. I wasn't there when he died out on Calvary. I wasn't there when he rose from the grave. I wasn't there when he ascended on up to glory. I didn't see, I didn't hear, but I.
this whole world sees every one of us and for those of us who have humbled ourselves and given our lives to the Lord Jesus he he hears our prayers he's able to do anything but make mistakes he's able to do anything but fail he won't fail us he promised he'd never leave us he promised he'd never forsake us when we're by ourselves we're never alone Late at night or early in the morning, do you believe you can call out to Jesus and he'll hear your prayers? He'll answer your prayers. Do you believe that Jesus is a doctor when the doctors don't have any more that they can do? Do you believe that Jesus is a lawyer when the prosecutor says that you should be uh, tried and you should be held guilty and convicted to the and given the stiffest fullest penalty of the law do you believe that Jesus is one who loves you in spite of yourself is there anybody willing to be honest enough to say I ain't always been holy I ain't always been right 
I ain't always love people the way I should. Oh, I'm different now. But even before I got to where I am, do you believe that Jesus was loving you even really back then? If you believe that, we just stand on your feet and give the Lord a hand praise and say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory, hallelujah to your name. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for making me your own. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving my sins. Thank you, Lord, for covering me with your blood. Thank you, Lord, for even right now, you're working things out in my situation. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe, church family. I believe. I believe. I've come to a point in my life, if I don't believe in Jesus, I don't have any hope. I believe, church family. Every day ain't sunny, but I still believe. I have storms in my life sometimes, Montaigne, but I still believe. I don't always know who really loves me and who just say they love me. It doesn't matter because I still believe that Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Hallelujah. I believe. I believe. The world can call me crazy. The world can say I'm, I'm, I'm old-fashioned. The world can say I'm intolerant. The world can say whatever they want to about me. I still believe. Because I know that I know that I know that Jesus is real. And you're not going to back me up off of my personal testimony of what I know about the Lord. You can't make me doubt him. Brenda, because I know too much about him. Amen. Amen. To God be the glory. Amen. I thank the Lord Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit for this opportunity to stand in his tabernacle and to share his word with his people. And if you're not saved today, you can get saved. And you can be his people too. The only requirement to join this club is to humble yourself and say, Lord Jesus, I surrender all to you. And he'll receive you just as you are. You ain't got to get right to get saved. Just have a right spirit. Just have a willing heart. That's all. Well, you know, Rev, I, I ain't right. I got to get right. You ain't going to never get right. Not by yourself. Not on your own. You give your life to Jesus, he'll make you right. When he covers you with your blood, it's a done deal. According to his word. Father, we thank you now for this preaching opportunity. And let me not linger now, Lord. Just Holy Spirit, have me be disciplined in my message this morning so that we can continue on this day doing what, thus say, what you say, thus saith the Lord, and what will be pleasing to you as we serve humanity and glorify you. In your name, Jesus, amen. Church family, those who were here on um, first Sunday know that um, I started what I called a, uh, the 2020 series. So Derek, here's part two. The series is over after the day. 
Uh, where is Tim? Tim not here today? That's right, Tim is still in New Jersey. I need to tell him so he can tell the radio station. The series ends today, but uh, this is part two. Ushers, please be seated. Let's thank the Lord for our ushers, you all. They are so dedicated and always right on point when we need them uh, and as we need them. The 2020 series, part two, sermon number two, from the same passage of Scripture, Jeremiah, verses, uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Um, let me read that for you again just to refresh your memory. This is from the New International Version. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. It says, it says, uh, okay, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Amen. Um, I'm, I'm going to end this series talking about great hope and a great future. Great hope and a great future. Uh, as I've already said, this is the second message in what I'm calling the 2020 series. The first message was called, and that was on first Sunday, A Great, Great Year. The first message on first Sunday was called A Great, Great Year. I preached from the first part of Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And I said to you all that some Bible scholars believe that the number 20 is the number of expectation. The Israelites of the Old Testament were God's chosen people, and, and they expected good and positive things to happen to them every 20 years. But, but if we look at the New Testament, according to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, every person, you and me, all of us, who accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. All of us are the children of Jehovah God. Amen. Now, I want to clarify this because I hear people say it a lot, and I'm not trying to be nitpicky. I'm not trying to be uh, judgmental or that I'm right and you're wrong, but I just want to say what the Word says. Everybody living on the earth is God's, every person is one of God's divine creations. But all of us aren't God's children. And folks say that a lot, but it's not true, according to the Word. The only folks who are God's children are those who humble ourselves and submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. You submit your life to Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. Otherwise, the Bible says you are the children of your father, the devil. That doesn't mean that, I've said it before, every unsaved person is not a bad person. But, what makes, but the fact is, God says, I can't let you into my heaven just by being good. You've got to recognize that I am God and that you have to humble and willingly submit yourself to me. That's what makes us God's children. So, so according to uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse, verse 6, every person who willingly accepts Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we become the children of God today just like the Israelites of the Old Testament. And according to Ephesians 3 and 6, all of God's children will share equally in the riches, that means the blessings and the favor that God has set aside for his children. Amen. I'm believing 2020 will be a great, great year for people that will do two things. I said this during that message on first Sunday. First, ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. If you're not saved, get saved. 2020 will be a great, great year for you if you will give your life to Jesus, if you haven't already done so. That's the first thing. Then here's the second thing. 
2020 will be a great, great year for you if you try to live to please Jesus and not just to please yourself. Amen. In other words, in other words, if you will determine in 2020 to trust Jesus, have faith in Jesus, and do your best, do our best to obey him, and where we fall short, he'll strengthen us. That's what his word says. But if we'll get, put our faith in Jesus and do our best to obey his word, then I'm excited because 2020 is going to be a great, great year, according to Jeremiah 29 and 11. In the first message, I talked about God's plan to prosper us and not to harm us. Amen. Let me give a quick summary of what those, those two pieces of that verse. I said to prosper means to succeed. God plans to prosper us. In other words, God plans to help his children succeed in everything we do that is pleasing to him. Amen. Anything that we seek to do that we will give God glory. That doesn't mean preaching and teaching and ministry. I don't care if you're a football player. I don't care if you're an actor. I don't care if you're an electrician. I don't care if you're a plumber. I don't care what you do. A school teacher. I don't care. A cook at, a, at, at McDonald's. If whatever you do, you want to do it in a way that glorifies God, then God will prosper you. He will help you succeed so that he will get the glory. Why? Because even when you're flipping them hamburgers, people will see the favor of God on your life. Folk will come to that counter, see you back there shaking them fries, and God's favor and light will come off of you all on them. You don't have to tell people who you are when you walk with the Lord. They know it. You don't have to announce I'm Reverend Dr. Bishop, evangelist, nobody. When you have the favor of God on your life, folks see it. It shows. You don't have to open your mouth. All you have to do is just show up. When you come into the room, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit within you will illuminate everything all around you. Amen, amen. So, so I said that God plans to prosper us. That means he plans to help us to succeed. There are two points you need to remember about God's term of prosperity. Number one, God's prosperity is only for God's children. And I've already talked about who the children of God are. Point number two, God's prosperity is more than wealth and riches. Amen. I said it's also never God's plan to harm his children, but sometimes serving God may mean that we may have to suffer. Sometimes serving God may mean we may even have to lay down our lives. Abraham just told us about Dr. King, and he's not the only one, but he's one of the most famous martyrs of Almighty God. Amen. And finally, I said that um, I believe in 2020, God will prosper his children, and he's going to prosper us in our relationships uh, with Jesus and with each other and with unsaved people. He's going to prosper us in our health our mental and emotional and physical health. He's going to prosper us in our finances, in our giving to others, and, and, and whatever we do to make money, in our investments. And finally, he's going to prosper us in our faith. He's going to increase our faith even more in Jesus in 2020. So today, let's take a look at the last part of Jeremiah 29 and 11. It says that God plans to give you hope and a future. The Greek word for hope is elpis, E-L-P-I-S. That's the Greek word for the word hope. Elpis means a favorable and confident, listen to this now. Elpis means a favorable and confident expectation about the unseen and the future. Elpis means a favorable and a confident 
expectation about things that are unseen and about the future. Understanding what hope is from God's perspective should give us joy and peace of mind. When most of us use the word hope, we mean we wish something good or positive will happen. You know, I hope this work out. Well, I hope you the best. See, when most of us use the word hope, we're, we're really, we're just saying, I, I really, I would just wish, I strongly wish that something good is going to work out for you. We can't have joy and peace if our hope is based on what people might do or if it's based on how circumstances might turn out. We can't have any peace because we're going to be stressed out until we know what the outcome is. But when our hope is in Almighty God and not in a lowly man, our hope is secured by our faith in Jesus. Amen now. We may have to wait longer than we want to. We may have to shed some tears before things get better. Amen. We may even have to suffer as we wait on God. But I believe what Jeremiah wrote. God's plan is to give his children hope. Because our hope comes from God, we should have a favorable and confident expectation. Amen now. That God is going to work everything out for our good and for his glory. We should have a favorable and confident expectation that God is going to work everything out for our good and for his glory. Songwriter said, y'all heard me say it before, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but what? Holy lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground. It's sinking sand. When we have hope in God, it doesn't mean that we're just waiting on God to do something. You know, some of us live that way. Well, you know, whatever the Lord wants to do, God will do whatever he wants to. No, it ain't that. That's not how we have hope in God. When we have hope in God, we continue to do whatever we can do to improve our lives, right? Okay, I got hope in God. The doctor done told me I need to stop smoking because I got hope in God. I'm going to smoke anyway. Maybe, maybe the Lord will take this nicotine out of my system. You better take that cigarette out your mouth. Don't play him. Don't try to play him. When we have hope in God, we continue to do whatever we can do to improve our lives. But we live each day with confidence, believing and expecting that God will add his super to our natural and he will produce favorable results that we need. Amen. God will add his super to our natural and God will produce the favorable results that we need. What is our confidence in the Lord Jesus based on? Or what is our confidence in Jehovah God in general based on? Well, what about in Joshua chapter 10 when God stopped the sun from moving for Joshua? Joshua and the Israelites were fighting and they needed to have some more daylight to win the battle. God stopped the sun for Joshua. So if he stopped the sun, that means the moon didn't come out either, y'all. Amen now. What about 1 Kings 17? Elijah prayed to the Lord and God shut up the, 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 the he shut up the, the, the faucet of heaven and no rain came down. No rain came down for three years because Elijah prayed that prayer. That's why we should have confidence in our God. Well, what about uh, in Exodus when Moses came to the Red Sea and he stood before the Red Sea, mountains on both sides, Red Sea in front of him, Pharaoh's armor behind him. God said, what you got in your hand? He said, Lord, I got this rod. He said, well, lift it. 
Come on, Moses. I've, you've done used it before. You can use it for this too. He lifted the rod and the sea parted. That's why we should have confidence in our God. Amen. What about Jesus? Okay. John chapter 2. Jesus went to the wedding ceremony. They ran out of wine. They told Jesus he turned water into wine. That's the kind of God we can have confidence in. What about the book of John chapter 4, where Jesus healed the nobleman's son? The man came to Jesus and said, Jesus, please come to my house because my son is about to die. Jesus said, I ain't got to go to your house. Go on back home. He all right. Before he even got home, his servants came and met him and said, your son was healed. The nobleman said, well, about what hour did it happen? And when they told him, he knew it was at the exact same moment that Jesus told him, go on home. He's already healed. We can have confidence in that Jesus. What about John chapter 11, the famous story about Jesus' good friend, his ride and die buddy named Lazarus? Died. When Jesus got the word, he waited two more days before he went to Lazarus' grave. Why? Because he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he just said, Lazarus, come forth. And he got up from the grave. We can have confidence in Jehovah God. Because we know he's a miracle-working God. If we think about all the different situations in our world that create stress and anxiety and depression, hope is what some of us need right now. Anybody need some hope today? Whatever it is, ain't got to be nothing major. But if it's, look, if it's important to you, it's important to God. I might say I ain't no big deal, but in God's eyes is everything. If you are his child, anything that matters to you it's on the top of his priority list. To God be the glory. Yeah, so hope is what some of us need right now. People without hope experience hopelessness. Amen? People without hope experience, they fall into hopelessness, hopelessness, and then that turns eventually, it can turn, and most of the time it does into what? The big D word, depression. Depression so often leads to uh, drug and alcohol addiction. Depression so oftentimes leads to sexual promiscuity. Some of us probably didn't even know that. The reason why some people roll like they roll in their sexual promiscuity, it ain't because they loose. It ain't because they crazy. It ain't because they just dogs or they just in heat all the time. It ain't that. They're depressed. And they, seriously, they're depressed. And they use sex as a way to try to mask and to try to alleviate their spirit of depression. Just like some people eat, just like some people drink, just like some people turn to drugs. Sex for some people is a way to try to temporarily get rid of the pain and, 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 and of the depression in their lives. Amen now. That's what it is for some folks. Amen. So, 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 so depression can also lead to anger management issues. Why some people just blow up on anything? Got anger management problems. What's that from? Sometimes it's from depression. Amen. Depression, unfortunately, sometimes leads to suicide attempts and actual suicide deaths. The good news is when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we always have hope. When we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we always have hope. I don't care how dark it is. I don't care how dire it is. I don't care how it looks like. It just can't turn around. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you always, always, always have hope. Because Jesus is able to do what man can't do. Amen. I was watching recently a man named, a young preacher. His name is um, 
Ben Corson, C-O-U-R-S-O-N, and he comes on the Hillsong channel. And Ben says that hope in Jesus, this is what Ben Corson says, he says that hope in Jesus is the absolute expectation that something good is going to happen. Hope in Jesus Christ, DeVito, is the absolute expectation. No doubt in your mind whatsoever. You may doubt for a second, but the Holy Spirit reminds you, no, keep hoping in Jesus. Hope in Jesus Christ is the absolute expectation that something good is going to happen. Let me give you some scriptures to back that up. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Amen. Amen. Psalm 39, chapter, Psalm 39 and the seventh verse. And now, O God, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Amen. Psalm 71, the fifth verse. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. In other words, David said, from the time I was a young boy, Lord, I've been trusting you. My hope is always in you, Lord, because from the time I was a small child, you've shown me time and time and time again that if I put my hope in you, you will make something positive come of the situation. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 ends by saying that God plans to give his children a future. God loves us so much. He's already made plans for our future. Doesn't matter what's going to happen to us, Eugene, between now and the time we both take our last breath. Our future is already secured. Our future is already set when we gave our lives to Jesus. He set our future in order right then, the moment we made that decision. He's already made plans for our future. Our physical bodies are only a covering for the soul that God has placed in each one of us. You may not believe it, but you got a soul inside of you. You are more than just what you look in the mirror and you see and you are either happy with, not happy with, whatever. That ain't you. It's what's inside of you. There's a soul. God put it in you. And these physical bodies are going to eventually die. But our souls will live into eternity. Eternity is just simply time that never ends. So when our physical bodies die, our souls will live on in time that never ends. What happens to our souls when our bodies die? That depends on the most important decision that we all must make while we're still living in these bodies. The decision is, will I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, or will I reject Jesus? Now, God is patient, and he's merciful. And y'all know he shows us grace every day. Okay, I'll change it. I know he shows me grace every day. And you may live to be 80, 90 years old. You might not live to be 25. The point I'm making is at the point in your life where you come to an understanding of Jesus Christ and who he is, you need to accept him because time is promised to nobody. Amen. And you've got to make your decision about your eternal resting place right now. You can't wait till you die and your soul is standing in front of him and then decide, oh, yeah, Lord, you know what? Yeah, I, I do. I, I, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. It's going to be too late then. So, what happens to our souls depends on if we accept or reject Jesus while we're still living. God has a plan for our future depending on the choice that we make. If we reject Jesus, our souls go to a place called hell. Hell is real. Hell was created by the Lord. 
the Lord made hell for the devil and the angels and those of us who reject Jesus. The Bible clearly talks about hell or Hades in many passages of Scripture. But let me just share two with you. In Luke uh, 16, verses 19 through 31, write that down because when you get some time, go read that for yourself. And read it from something other than the King James or New England. Read it from the Message Bible or some more contemporary form. But Luke chapter uh, 16, verses 19 31, there's the story of the rich man and the beggar named Lazarus. And when Lazarus, and while, while, while the rich man and Lazarus both live, the rich man wouldn't even give Lazarus the crumbs from his table. But then when they die, Lazarus ends up in the bosom of Abraham, and the rich man wakes up and realizes he's in hell. Amen. That's all I'm going to tell you about it. You read it for yourself and, and listen to what that rich man's soul says to Father Abraham about being where he is in hell. Let me also share this with you. Revelation 21, verse number 8. Revelation 21, verse number 8. Hell is described as a fiery lake of burning sulfur. Never stops burning. Whatever, let, let me just put it to you this way. Whatever pain you've ever experienced in your life, physical pain, that you thought was the worst pain you've ever lived through in your life, think about having that pain about 10 times greater and think about it being with you always. You can't take no extra Tylenol to make it stop. Morphine won't numb you enough so that you won't feel it. There ain't going to be no doctor for you to go to or no specialist at Duke or UNC that's going to be able to prescribe something or do a, a surgery or some kind of procedure to take it away from you. That pain and that suffering, emotionally as well as physically, will last for time that has no end. That's what happens when we reject Jesus. On the other hand, if we accept Jesus, God's future plan for us is to be in heaven with him. Accepting Jesus is the only way anybody gets to heaven. I know people have said there are lots of ways to God. I say this respectfully. You're lying. You're lying to yourself if nobody else, because that's not what the Bible says. Jesus himself said in St. John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he said that nobody gets to the Father except they come through me, or since they come by me. Come on now. Jesus talked about heaven. He talked about heaven in John chapter 14, verse 3. He said, and if I go and prepare a place for you in heaven, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus talked about heaven in Matthew uh, chapter 10, verse 32. He says, whoever confesses me before men, that person will I confess before my Father who is in heaven. Jesus talked about heaven in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. Where is my Father? In heaven. As I close, I encourage all of us to expect good things in 2020. Amen. You've been thinking negative all this time. Change up. Just change up. Just try it. Just, just try being positive. I promise you, if you try it a few days before you know it, it'll become your regular and not your exception. And especially if you're positive in your faith in Jesus, more to the point. Amen. Amen. Expect good things in 2020. We need to put our faith in Jesus and nobody else. We need to trust Jesus. 
We need to do our best to obey Jesus. And if we do this, 2020 will be a great, great year. Even when we go through the storms of life, we can encourage ourselves by remembering Jeremiah 29, verse 11. God plans to prosper his saints, to help us succeed in whatever we do to glorify him. God plans uh, 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 to, to not harm us. God plans to give us a great hope. That's favor and confidence to expect a good outcome. And then God plans to give us a great future. When we leave this world, we will spend eternity, time that has no end, with Jesus in heaven. We ought to be grateful to know that even in this current world that we live in, with all the mess and foolishness and, and the real showing of evil and ugly and mean things that are happening all around us, we are not hopeless. We have great hope in the man, Jesus, in the Son of God, the Lamb, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, the Lily of the Valley, Mary's little baby, somebody's will within their will, they said. We have faith and confidence in Jesus because Jesus will not fail us. Jesus has all power and all authority in heaven and on earth. When did he get it? He got it on a Friday when he gave up his life, his human physical life for you and for me so that we will have the opportunity to be saved and go to heaven when we die. What did Jesus have to do to make sure that you and I had a chance to go to heaven? He had to die on a cross. He had to let evil men and evil women and evil people nail him to that cross. And April gave this to me today. I'm so glad she did. They didn't put no 10 penny nails in Jesus' hands and his feet. They put one of these things. That's what was nailed to Jesus' hands. That's what was nailed in Jesus' feet. This thing right here. Not one of them little five and dying nails you can go down to Lowe's and buy about 100 for 20 cents or whatever it is. That's what went in Jesus' hands for you and me. That's what went in Jesus' feet for you and me. Not only that, Jesus let them pierce him in his side. He let them take a spear and thrust it right under his rib cage. That's enough to kill the average person. But because he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords, he could endure it. And he endured it thinking about everybody in this church sanctuary right now. Blood came out. His blood that is, covers us and washes away the stains of our sin. His blood that makes us whole again. It's the blood of Jesus. Jesus hung on that cross until he said that, now it's time for me to give up the ghost. And he said to the Father, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And then the last thing he said, it's finished. When he said it was finished, he was saying that sickness is finished. He was saying that depression is finished. He was saying that anger is finished. He was saying that hostility is finished. He was saying that suffering is finished. He was saying that sorrow is finished. He was saying everything that's not of God is finished. Took him off that cross, put him in a borrowed tomb, stayed there Friday, stayed there Saturday. But the Bible tells me that early on that Sunday morning, my Lord and my Savior Jesus Christ, he rose from the dead. He got up just as he told the disciples that he would. I got my confidence in Jesus because Jesus is not a man that he should lie. He's not a liar. He's done exactly what he said he would do. He did it before and he'll do it again. Somebody here ought to have a testimony that you can depend on Jesus.
somebody here ought to be willing to tell somebody, I know that I know that I know that Jesus Christ will come through because he's blessed me when I wasn't able to bless myself. He's helped me when I wasn't able to help myself. Jesus heard my cry, came to my rescue, made things right in my life, and now I'm willing to live for him. Some of y'all have suffered some things, you, and I'm not being facetious. Some of y'all, some of us here today, we've suffered some stuff. Some of us have suffered some stuff emotionally. Some of us have suffered some things mentally. Some of us have temporarily lost our minds. Might as well be called lost your mind because what you did or said we know ain't the way you normally act. In a moment in time, you lost your mind. Some of us have suffered physically. Some of us have been sick. Some of us are sick right now in the, in, in the way that the world calls sickness. But God, but Jesus, Jesus is the reason why you're still here. He's the reason why you can still raise holy hands and say, thank you. He's the reason why even when you go through the new storm, you still have hope. Because he's proven to you what he can do. And what he will do if you'll trust him. Amen. Church family 2020. You, I, make, make your mind up. It's going to be a good year. You already know whatever it is that may be going on. Some of us are carrying some stuff from 2019. I mean, not that we want to be, but it's, it just, it is what it is. And there's some situations that happened in 2019 that, didn't resolve themselves, and so now we're still dealing with them in 2020. But cast your care on the Lord. Give it to Jesus in prayer. And then go about your daily life, not being constantly concerned about whatever that is. Go about your daily life as best you can with whatever physical condition you have, whatever emotional situation it may be. You go about your daily life with confidence. And every once in a while during the day, just say, God, I trust you. God, I thank you. I already know you worked it out. I don't see it right now, but I know you worked it out. It may not manifest itself in the next week or month or may not even manifest itself necessarily before the end of this year. But I believe that in 2020, just like the Israelites of old, I'm expecting something great for 2020. I'm expecting God to do some things for some of us in 2020 we've been waiting for for years. Come on, anybody with me? I'm expecting some turnarounds in some situations in 2020 that you've been praying for and waiting for for years. Because this is the year. I do. I do. Here's, here's what I'd like for you to do at this point in time. I want... Um, Come on, deacons, please. 